Welcome back to the Beat the Off and Path podcast. I'm your host, Ross Palmer. Today, we've got a very special episode for you. We've finished three seasons of the show. I can't believe we've already had 36 different guests sharing amazing stories from Grammy Award winners to founders of companies to people changing the world to composers and musicians and all kinds of interesting entrepreneurs and people who've done incredible things. I'm in awe of all the people we've had on this show. So we're going to do a little bit of a break from the normal programming this week. We're going to do something a little different. We're going to do a highlight reel of all of the best moments of season three. So this is going to be action-packed. It's going to be super intense. It's going to be everything you hope for from a clip show or a highlight reel. So stay tuned for this very special episode of the Beat the Often Path podcast. You're doing charitable giving in one capacity, and you have the same kind of idea. How can I bring this digital? So, you know, remember when everyone in the beginning of the pandemic, people were doing like live stream concerts and they were like lame. Like, remember how lame they were in the yes. beginning? Your friends Horrible. would be like, come see me. And I'm like, I don't want to see you. So I wanted to do that, but I wanted to do it. And I tried it once. I tried it like once in March, just me, like early in like 30 seconds. I was like, nope, nope, nope. Exhale. I can't do this. This is awkward. <laughs> um, So I was sitting and then I saw that Reddit was doing the RPAN thing. And uh, the thing I always regretted when I used to busk was I never really got to do. I was limited by my environment. I was limited by having one guitar with me playing songs in a noisy New York city subway fighting against the trains, walking my stuff, you know? Mm -hmm. So I wanted to find a way to make it more like a show. I've done a lot of goofy stuff in my life, but this is one of the goofier ones that I'm actually, I'm like, I'm kind of proud of, of, of the work that's been done. What did you learn after seven years of, of doing this every week that you wish you knew at the beginning? Try to try not to overthink things like keep it, Keep it simple. Remember, remember to breathe in, 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 in a lot of in a lot of situations where you're just like, I'm like feeling anxious and I'm, I'm realizing I didn't take a breath like the last like 15, 20, 30 seconds. And it's like, oh, well, yeah, if I breathe, give yourself more time than you anticipate. You know, once you've given yourself enough time on a lot of occasions, then you can kind of be uh, like, okay, this will be a lot more streamlined. But in the beginning, you definitely want to give yourself more time it's okay to make mistakes it's all like a, a learning process and you end up kind of laughing about them after the fact granted as long as the magnitude of your mistake isn't like career altering <laughs> yeah. um all right so that's the myth of the depressed or I, yeah. I we talked about why do these people kill themselves or why are they so why are successful people yeah still depressed yeah. i think uh, people uh, underestimate the um kind of the burden of success mm. um so as you get further away from your comfort zone your baseline whether that's really depressed or really uh, successful it feels unsafe you know and you're not used to uh things working out you're not used to um all the things that come with success when you start out, you often think oh, you have these goals, you know, and mm -hmm. oh, when I reach that, then I'll be happy. Then my life will work out. And that's just not true because it's not in the goal. It's, it's in how you are. Oftentimes, as people get more successful, they get more unhappy because you feel <laughs> so restless and so hopeless. And so, like, why am I not happy? Um, 
So, yeah, and I think there's zero uh, support for uh, successful people because everyone's like, what are you whining about? You know, you, right. you have all <laughs> that you dreamed of yeah. and that everyone else dreams of. Uh, but that's not really what makes people happy. So, Well, there's two things that I kind of want to dive into there. Uh, the first one is you said you had zero technical skills and you got into a technical field. So that right there is fascinating. So maybe explain how did you actually begin? So you say, okay, there's a gap. It's a technical thing. I want to get involved. I know nothing about it. I've learned a lot. How did you actually start this business? I made a lot of mistakes early days, but my strength was sales. So I went there out there and sold. I got like 10 clients in like a month or two, right? Like I was good at listening, asking questions, knowing, understanding the gaps, probing, and then uncovering what I discovered and offering a product or service that met their gaps and people were paying me. So I knew I could sell. Yep. I just didn't know how to produce the results for these clients. So I was absorbing so much content at that time. It was stressful because I was putting in 16, 18 hour days. Mm -hmm. I didn't have, you know, children at that time. I, I was, it was me and the business, right? So timing was a lot of it. And I had support from my wife to try something new and not be stuck in something that I know I would be frustrated in, I guess. Mm -hmm. So I think that is also very important when you're starting a business. You need that solid foundation of knowing, you know, there's comfort, but there's also that risk. Do you feel that you've achieved some kind of uh, a balance in your life? Do you feel comfortable about where you are in the work-life balance at the moment? Yeah, I'm really enjoying it at the moment. And sometimes when I when I look into my heart, I think about the time when I was traveling the world as a DJ. And sometimes I say, "Whoa, yeah, that was really awesome to do." Still, you know, still my colleagues, when I, when, when I tell my story, they always, why do you work here at our place? Why, why are you not in the DJ life anymore? But then I explain them how it goes and sometimes, and, um, but I'm really uh, happy with my life at the moment. You know, I have three healthy kids, a beautiful wife. Yep. Uh, I can do my thing. I can make my music. I still make music. I still organize parties. So I can, there's more freedom in my head. Um, for somebody who is either being forced to make a major change or sees one on the horizon or who has recently retired, anybody who is staring down the barrel of a very major life change and they don't know what to do, what advice might you have? I, my advice would be dare to take the plunge. Dare to jump off the edge. It's never as deep as you think. It's never as shallow as you think. Uh, the water you jump into is never as hot or cold as you think it's worth going but you have to use your gut feeling you have to really use your heart and your gut feeling and know that something is right and dare to do it just go for it Alrighty, righty folks we're going to take a little break here and i'm going to interject what could be a commercial if i actually had sponsors <laughs> anyways Instead, I'm going to ask you to please like, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, subscribe on Spotify, rate the show five stars, leave a nice review if you enjoy the show and its content as guests. It's just a one-man band. It's just me over here doing all this stuff, finding the guests, interviewing. It's a lot of work to get this done, especially in the absence of a commercial here. So anything that you can do to help me grow this or support it or share it with people you like, I would much, much, much appreciate. I want to keep this free and keep it educational and keep it entertaining and all of those things. So if you could help me out by doing the things that you would do when you wanted to help somebody out like this, I would really, really appreciate it. So back to the highlight reel. 
Okay, so yeah, that's interesting because I don't know anything about the news. I don't know anything about how that whole business works. I just assumed that you'd show up, there's a teleprompter, you read what's on the teleprompter, and then that's the end of that. I didn't think there was any other part of that job, but there is. Well, there's a lot of that because when you start in local television, you do everything. So I, you know, it's more than just showing up and reading the news. I would do everything. I carried my own camera. I shot my own interviews. I would come back. I wrote my own stories. I edited my own tape. And then, you know, you kind of have maybe one producer that puts the whole show together. But really, you're doing everything. And then you would go on air and report it. So there's a lot that goes into it. This is the first job I've ever had where I do just, I don't just show up and talk on front of a camera. A lot goes into it. I do a ton of interviews. I don't have a teleprompter anymore. Everything we do is completely live and unscripted. Um, I just am fortunate that I'm not carrying my own camera anymore and somebody is editing editing the video. When you start out, it, they call it the, like a MMJ because you are just, you are literally doing everything. How important is other people's opinions of your work to you being happy? Uh, well, you know, of course, you want you want you want you want definitely want people to appreciate the music and and enjoy it and the sets you play and everything. That's very important to me. It wouldn't define my happiness in you know my job, although in uh, in a way it would because if the people from the factory, for instance, wouldn't like my music or my sets, they wouldn't book me. But uh, you know, if I Regardless, if the fact that aside, if I produce a song and I think it's really cool and I really like it, and and other people don't like it, yeah, fine. You know, we have just different musical tastes. Not everybody likes the same stuff, so that can happen. But overall, of course, I do want people to enjoy the the music I do and like the sets I play, and that's also important for the you know the career and just keep the, the only way to move forward is so people actually enjoy what I'm doing instead of me being the only one who enjoys it. Would you say your passion then is entrepreneurship? You say you found a new passion. What what in all of this would you say you're passionate about then? So I think like from from all of that and and I think one of the greatest takeaways that I can I could give or share to anyone is is don't be afraid to explore. Um, you know, I'd I'd reach certain sort of areas in, in, in the, to the paths I'd chosen. And, you know, although like I had done a lot and experienced a lot, there were certain times where I was not happy. And because of the success, I'd kind of hit that crossroad where like, do I leave this to seek happiness? And like, to be honest, where I am today, I mean, I'm also able to learn daily because I'm learning every day. I'm, I'm filling that gap of the need for new, fresh things. And I think as a person, I go through days where I don't have those big dips because I'm mm. doing the things that I love. And That's the holy grail, yeah. Surrounding that decision, you said you had worked mm. with a life coach, you had been thinking about mm. doing this. How did you approach the actual switch? Did you say, I'm going to save up X amount of money so I have a little bit of a safety net? Or did you say, you know what, this is it. Today's my last day. I quit. So how, how did you approach the transition? Um, so I would say that although it's been amazing and I've learned lots and I wouldn't change it, I would much rather do what I'm doing now than work for a big blue chip. I actually recruit for blue chips. <laughs> I understand them really well. So I can put my experience and knowledge into something that I really like doing, but I'm kind of on the other side of the fence. Right. But at the same time, it's very, very tough. And it's not for the faint-hearted. Mm-hmm. It really isn't. Because I am, I have been for a, quite a while, literally out on my own with two children, no money, 
um, no childcare support, trying to get a business together. And there've been many times when I've thought, I'm literally going to go and get a job in a supermarket. I'll, I'll get a job doing anything so that I can get some money coming in yep. because this is so stressful. Because no matter what sort of job you're in, in a corporate environment, even if you're in a sales job like I was before, you're not really in a sales job. You're in an account management job normally where you get a basic salary. And if you miss your target, you kind of miss your target, but you still get your salary. When you're running your own business, if I don't bring business in, I don't have a salary. I have nothing. I know we don't have a whole lot of time left, so we'll switch gears. That's very enlightening, very helpful, um, really cool stuff. I'm glad to know that. The business side, how long did it take you to build the business? The thing is like uh, 10 years ago, I was in a college, in an engineering college, and I read this book by Robert Kiyosaki called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Very famous. And uh, it completely changed my perception about finance and life. And the very same day, I just dropped out of the college thinking that I'll be doing something of my own. And I lent some money from my seniors, my friends, relatives, family, and I started a business. I was 18 years old then. And uh, I made a bunch of mistakes over there. And uh, within six months, I had to shut down the company. Okay. When I uh, failed in that business, I understood that it's really important to think about the money since the beginning, right? Exactly what kind of problem you will be solving and how you'll be making money out of it. That's the first step. Then I promised myself that I will never uh, have any loan for myself and my business. I don't use credit card. I don't use any kind of a loan. Yeah. We don't have any investment. Investment. It's completely bootstrap. So when I launched my first book, and then of course if we started making money, then of course we, uh, I started um, um, having video courses program, and I was a one man team. So since the beginning, my my number one goal was to make money, make profit, and that's why of course till now. It is around eight to nine years now with bestsellingbook.com. We are running. We have around um, 30 to 30, 35 to 40 people in, in house, right? Wow. Working. Big team. And then we have, our, yeah. And then we have around uh, thousands of angel writers and editors in a circle House. of influence. Yeah. We don't pay them uh, monthly, but of course, like whenever uh, a project comes, like we reach out to them and of course, this is how it works. Right. But yeah, like they're around 40 people on um, on the monthly pay. All right, that's it. That's the end of our season three, folks. We're going to take a short little break here, recollect, get a new batch of guests going for the next season. Thank you all for your listening and for your continued support for these 36 episodes. I'm so excited that we've made it this far. I can't believe the range and talents of all of the people we've had on this show. As always, if you like the show, please comment, share, subscribe. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, rate the show five stars, leave a review, subscribe on Spotify, YouTube, Instagram, at the Ross Palmer, anywhere you find me. Drop me a line. Let me know if these shows are helping you, if they've inspired you, if you've enjoyed some of the content. I would really, really appreciate it. Also, if you know anybody who has an unusual success story that needs to be shared, send them my way. Or if you happen to have an unusual success story and you want to be a guest on this podcast, please drop me a line on Instagram at the Ross Palmer. So that's it for season three. I will see you all in season four.